Hello and welcome. It's your GM, David here. We recorded this game while our area was under a lockdown, so it was all remote. I've put in a lot of effort with the post-processing, but the audio is still a little bit crunchier than usual. Thankfully, we are now able to record together again, though, so expect a return to better quality in future games. That disclaimer aside, I pulled together some of my closest friends for our Ghost Lines game, so stick around and expect a riotously good time. Enjoy! Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. Can we just, like, stop and appreciate the fact that there just wasn't enough trains in the movie Ghostbusters? Is that why we're doing this? I mean, that's why I'm doing this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that in a world that is uh, almost eternally in darkness as the sun has been burnt down to an ember and only appears at dawn and dusk. On the ghost lines, you as the bulls will be taking on uh, four distinct roles that are going to determine what equipment you have and what your general purpose is in any encounter with ghosts. Those roles are Rook, Spider, Owl, and Anchor. I've conceived of this character by the name of Strathmill Caro. She's a disgraced noble from Akoros, disinherited from her family due to her inability to sit down and shut up. Her family sent her to the ghost lines basically to get rid of her. They told her that she could earn her right back into the family, but... Strathmill. She's pretty convinced that her family just wants her to die. The Akarosi are sometimes called Imperials since the Imperium began there. Akarosi nobles of the Imperium, they have uh, in their ears a plug type gauge that is made out of like solid gold. Strathmill still has one of these. Uh, oh, in... right. Yeah, but it's, it's painted black, so it looks ordinary, but it could be recognized. My character's name is Katarjune Haig. She's from Aruvia. She's just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going anywhere. Catterdune is an orphan and has grown up in some sort of system, in some sort of home. For a very long time, Catterdune did not believe in ghosts. And then she started working on the, the ghost lines, which are called the ghost lines for a reason. From the same region of Aruvia as well, hails Rowan Polonia. She worked on the shipyards, uh, the Leviathan hunters that go out into sea to obtain Leviathan oil fueling the lightning barriers that keep human civilization alive. However, there was a mishap at sea. Demons befell the ship and somehow she came away unscathed. She's been working her best to flee ever since, never saying what it is exactly that she's running from. My character, Zirik Nora. So he comes from Tykros to escape capital punishment after after killing his own brother, a soldier in the kingdom's military. He works the rails as a way for building up some income while he explores the other lands in search for a new place to call home. How are we pronouncing Tykros? What if nobody knows how to pronounce it? It specifically says that they're rudely called strangers. Oh, howdy, stranger. And it's like, oh, fucking rude. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And that they have demon blood in their lineage. What if you had like, like a shark, you have like two rows of teeth. Okay. All right. I'm really excited. Your characters sound real fun. And uh, I'm excited for things to get just a little bit spooky.
Round about 900 years ago, the gates of death themselves were broken. The great cataclysm rendered the sun a resolute ember, and gorged the sea's infinite, inky depths with all manner of monsters. The scarred lands are haunted now by spirits of the restless dead, their intentions myriad and quite rarely known. In the ashes, the Akarosi Imperium's armies united the remaining shattered isles beneath a single banner and guaranteed the people's safety in cities behind its immense lightning towers. The Electro Railroad, the line, was laid between the city's uniting islands. But guards and goods must be delivered across the treacherous Deathlands and Black Seas, and the grand pylons of the lightning grids must be maintained. And so, the brave line bulls protect the trains from the ghosts and monstrosities which would impede it. It is dirty, dangerous work, but it is necessary, and they are compensated for the hazards they endure. On the line today, a train prepares to depart from the city of Irondale, on the southern tip of Severos. It is bound for Mistport on the island of Aruvia. Its journey will take it across the dense, dark jungles of the Dagger Isle archipelago, and across even the open ocean. However, the train must roll on. Chugga, 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 chugga. Choo-choo! Um. All right, so now let's, uh, let's actually lay the scene. Let's get rolling. Our story begins tonight in the city of Irondale on the southern coast of Severos. You recently arrived here after working as line bulls on the route from Mistport to Irondale. On the route that time around, it wasn't as dangerous as maybe you expected it could have been. It was a fairly uneventful trip. The contents of the train on that on that leg of the journey was uh, primarily a shipment of migrants, people from Aruvia who were inspired by advertisements of better work in Severus. Uh, in fact, I think Caterjune, uh, you knew from the orphanage in Sunfall some of these faces uh, none of them very well, but you recognized them as old playmates or people you grew up alongside. And you'd all gone your different ways in the last few years, but now you're seeing their faces once again. Okay. Uh, and they, they, they were on the train from Mistport to Irondale. Additionally, uh, on that journey, uh, as you were crossing through the Dagger Isles, your train crossed an additional island that was not on the map. And uh, after passing that island, the, the train's tracks were low enough close to the water that there was a, a crash of a wave uh, against the train from the seas below. And your only encounter on that journey was you had to scrape off some flesh barnacles from the side of the train, uh, which, if that sounds unpleasant, it was. Gross. But ultimately, you didn't encounter much in the way of ghosts or, or other particularly nasty monstrosities on that journey. And Caterjean, you got to see some old familiar faces on your way to Irondale. 
But it's been a few weeks now. You all, in between, in between jobs on the train, you had some time in Irondale to maybe decompress a bit, heal up, take a bit of a respite from your previous journeys. But now you, I think you guys are probably part of some kind of uh, small company. I like the idea that similar to the trucking industry in the United States, there's lots of smaller competing companies which organize line bowls and get you registered with different trains to to manage the muscle to be the support for those. Uh, that is an even better comparison than maybe you think you know, because in the United States, the average trucker is in and out of the industry within a year. Turnover is incredibly high just due to burnout, terrible financial circumstances, and physical strain. So perfect analogy. Yeah, uh, I don't imagine a lot of of line bulls last more than a handful of years. There are some who are like, you know, titans in the field who have done this job for maybe close to a decade, but they are a rare find. And they, I think any line bull who kept up the job for that long has a very peculiar sensibility about them after having seen the horrors that they have across that time and undergone the stress and the danger, the the consistent unrest that they've had to deal with in that occupation. So now that we've uh, cheered you up and gotten you hyped and ready for this ride on the train, today you're going to be going from uh, Irondale to Mistport. Uh, you're going to be going the other way around, returning to Aruvia from where you had recently departed. You're on the platform. It's... It's dark outside, but then again, it usually is dark in the Shattered Isles. Let's say it's something like the middle of the night. People are already loaded onto the train. You received this contract fairly late from your superiors, so you didn't have a ton of time to prepare other than to just grab your normal gear uh, and get your, get your butts over to the train station. In Irondale, the platform which provides you access to the train is very close to the wall of the city, which supports the grand lightning towers which surround it, which provided that protection from the ghosts beyond. You can see a faint bluish glow that the city is enveloped in. Even though it is dark outside, even though it is the dead of night, the city constantly is lit by this dull bluish glow, this hue from the lightning towers as they remain alert and active and preventing any unwanted visitors from making their way into the city. And the platform for the train is very close to this wall, so you can actually hear the extreme voltage that is induced on these towers. And I do want to ask, uh, have have any of your characters spent any time uh, working in or around lightning towers before? I don't think Strathmill would have. I think that makes sense. I might have had a job. For a little while, just like repairing here and there. I think Rowan, being largely a courier as she was a child, I think that she may have on occasion delivered electroplasm to towers, just helping to carry that load, but never got the chance to dig more into them besides the official line and also the occasional youthful question about them whenever she finished a job. I can't imagine 
Zurich probably worked around them too much. Now, a quick, quick question. Uh, Zurich being from uh, Tycheros, Ticheros? Uh, Zurich being from uh, T-Town, what are they, do they even use lightning towers to ward off ghosts or do they have some other protocols? That's, that's what's done in the Imperium, but you're beyond the Imperium's control. Right. Uh, that is a good question. So, hmm. I don't, I don't know much about the towers themselves. Uh, like how are they supplied? What? Yeah, so so the the lightning towers which protect cities uh, and in some smaller ways protect the train. The train sort of has its own fields, but the li- lightning towers which protect cities in this world, uh, they are think of like the the biggest transmission pylons you've ever seen, and they ring the city. And in the same way that if you get near a like, you know, a a, a big transformer, mm-hmm. uh, you can hear the hum of that electricity move in. Yeah. And so it's like a very, very high voltage net is cast around the city. And that is powered by electroplasm, which is harvested from leviathans, which are these great monsters in the seas. And it can also be harvested from ghosts, but that's a bit of a trickier source, I would say. Mm-hmm. And arguably less ethical. Right. Not that I think that's a great concern in this world. All right. Um, as far as those lightning towers go, if the main source of that is from Leviathans, mm-hmm. I can't tell because I can't see it on the map, but <laughs> there is a lot of ocean between Tychuros and the other lands. So I imagine, yes, there's probably there's probably some Leviathan hunting and, and jobs for getting these lightning towers powered. But in my mind, the government system that Zurich is from, it's probably mainly around government buildings, very important cities and maybe those with higher class. Oh, um, so they have like more, uh, you can ward smaller areas. Yeah. And everywhere else is pretty much left to their own devices. I, I would imagine. Okay, cool. I could see that. So actually, I think then maybe the scale uh, of these lightning towers in the, the Shattered Isles in the Imperium is something that surprised you quite a bit when you first came here. And I don't think you're used to the noise that they make especially here as close as you all are to the wall right now. Uh, you can see them rising high above you, uh, just beyond where the, the platform you're standing on is, where it rests. And the this, this steady hum and crackle is not quite overpowering, but it is ever-present. In a, I could see some regarding it in a comforting sort of way, but I think it's also quite obnoxious. And also, like, in the same way, you can sort of smell the ozone. You can, like, the air that is passing through that, well, you know, very strong electrical warding is definitely carrying some energy with it, and you can smell it. It would be close to visiting a place where you've never heard cicadas before. Yeah. For those who haven't, lived in the Shattered Isles, it may be a bit surprising every time when 
at least I imagine, there may be an occasional actual bolt of lightning given a weird greenish glow by its unusual power source that does hit one of the greenish lights of a ghost trying to float its way into town. Yeah, it's it's very much like having uh, one of those lamps that attracts insects and then fries them. In a very similar way, I think the population centers of the cities are quite attractive to some ghosts, especially those interested in reacquiring a body. And it is easy to be lulled. Well, you know, I could probably make it in there. And then they, they float their way towards it. And then 10 million volts of sweet ectoplasmic lightning shocks through their willowy ghosty body, their ghost ghostly spirit. There we go. And uh, that's the last of them. Or at least you hope, right? Since T-Town is like they do a lot of fishing of leviathans, do they sell off their extra electroplasm? I think that would explain why the Imperium bothered to lay lines out to Tychoros. Yeah, that would make sense. If if they can provide them with extra ectoplasm, then that, that's a resource that would be worth laying that dangerous of a line for. I'd also like to clarify, Katergene has worked doing some like repair on these towers, maybe, but she has not thought about where the power comes from. She hasn't worried about it in the same way that like most of your life, you've never probably thought about like how the water that comes out of your tap is clean or why other than like, well, we need clean water. Well, we need power. So here it is. We need protection, so here it is. Anyway, you all are on the platform. We've sort of discussed uh, the different baggage each of you bring as far as experience with the different technologies around how this world subsists. But the trains themselves are almost their own beast. Uh, you stand on the platform and uh, you know, underneath the vibrant hum of the lightning towers and their soft bluish glow that's cast over everything, and the train's body is black and slick and covered in, in soot and oil in a way that all trains are at the end of the day. As compared to the previous trains you've been on, this one is a bit smaller. Uh, this train only has nine cars that it's pulling, uh, that, the, that the engine is pulling. So it's not nearly as built and girthy, perhaps, as previous trains that you've been on. <laughs> You're making a face, Angelica. You got a problem with those, those adjectives? Girthy. Uh, this train ain't so thick yeah this this train ain't nearly as thick as previous trains you've encountered uh but But it it is is rich and buttery too uh it is it is slick uh it is probably some kind of anodized metal it's polished and black it's designed to blend in as seamlessly with the very tracks and bridges that it rolls across as possible so as not to alert any locals that you might be passing that the train is even there at all wait can i ask a a question i'm so sorry is it polished or is it grimy which is it both what so the, the polish is more like the the texture it's smooth right Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, it's 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 smooth and it's reflective, and then the grimy is like, yeah, but in all those corners and and places where plates overlap and around the wheels and and the bars which support them, it is absolutely a mess. 
this might be some weird combination or an in-between of an old west steam locomotive that hit a top speed of 15 miles per hour and a bullet train with a hefty dose of like diesel punk weirditude to it. This might be an express line designed to go fast, not carry much, but it's for important stuff, maybe. That's exactly the case. This train screams gotta go fast. And I think in general, the ghost lines themselves, the the line uh, and trains which go on it are some combination of sort of more traditional like steam powered trains that you might expect of course what they're what they're burning isn't coal they're similar to lightning towers they're powered off of this ectoplasm uh, which they similarly ignite and use as fuel in in its engines and that turning of those engines provides both the locomotion of the train and also generates the the current that they use to create the lightning field which protects the train from ghosts that would try to enter. Now, this train is not nearly the level of power that a lightning tower possesses, so the defenses that the train has are only good enough to make it difficult to get in, not impossible, and certainly won't kill the ghosts. And so that's why you as line bulls have to monitor the train, and if any ghosts latch on and try to break through that barrier, uh, you are there to ensure that they can't, like the train is rid of those ghosts before they make it on. Is it redundant to say electro-lightning? Probably. How but about... This, is, this like is very rule of cool. Like, how about electroplasmic? I, I yeah. like to think that, similar to how everything is electromagnetism for us, maybe it's electroplasmic for them? Which I guess plasma, plasma has two meanings. You have plasma, like, in the blood, and then you have plasma, like, the fifth state of matter that is yeah. what the sun is. Wait, fifth? What's number four? You're right. It's the fourth. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. If we've got a fifth state of matter, I want to know what it is. I mean, aren't there uh, Einstein condensate or whatever that is? Oh, maybe. Yeah, diversity. Weird... Diversity yeah. is the fourth state of matter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the trains are, are black. They're sleek, but they're, they're sleek, but slimy. You know what I mean? Oh, me too. Like the eels that feed so many citizens. Exactly. Uh, and and they're, they have mighty wheels with crossbars which unite them, uh, like you would see on a traditional locomotive. But the base of those wheels glow ever so slightly where they come into contact with the rails. And the rails themselves glow with a gentle, gentle blue light as they, they provide some power to the trains. So that way, a train that uh, is left stranded on the tracks does not lose its connection to the cities completely. It's a sort of secondary fail-safe that's in place. When the train is getting going and when it's getting up to speed, around the front of the locomotive at the engine block, it does emit in a series of flanged pipes around its nose uh, a hiss periodically of bluish-black smoke as the electroplasm is burned and consumed and then released out into the air around the train. When this train gets going and gets up to speed, though, you can't hardly hear the, the thrumming of the wheels nor the hissing of the engine because the wind whipping past you and the potential cries of ghosts around you is what will be bothering you then. 
But for now, it's fairly quiet here on the platform, apart from the hum of the towers behind it. This train was loaded with its cargo and its people before you arrived at the platform. The original line bulls who were supposed to be on this train, there was some mix-up. They turned out to not be in Irondale after all. So uh, your company was hired last minute in order to get somebody on these trains, uh, somebody on this train to provide it the protection that it needs from anything that it might encounter on its way to Mistport. And so you arrive late, but the train still has not departed yet. After all, it will not depart without some line bulls protecting it. That would be a potential suicide for whatever, whatever its journey requires. Shortly after you arrive, right as you're waiting outside the train, a door uh, out of the, the very front passenger car, literally the first car behind the engine, the door on the side of it with a click and a hiss, it slides to the side uh, and out steps a imposing figure. They're tall, wearing a deep black cloak that's spotted with raven's feathers. And it covers an equally dark utility jumpsuit that is crisscrossed with soot-drenched leather straps, buckles, and pockets that jingle softly with unknown oddities. Uh, They wear on the top of their head a familiar hat. I'm sort of imagining, like, every train conductor pictured ever. It's like the... It's sort of squat. It sort of poofs to the sides. It's got, like, carousel sort of lines on it. The conductor hat. The hat yeah, conductor. It's, the, it's the hat conductor's wear. Uh, and they're I wearing one of, those, cannot, one of those hats. I cannot help but picture the conductor from uh, the CGI nightmare uh, snow train movie. What The, the Christmas train movie. Polar Shit. Express, oh, yeah. right? Polar, Polar Express. Express. Yes. Thank you. I guess I was thinking more of an engineer's cap that has more the the sort of carousel stripes sometimes, but it could just be the, the sort of dark, the deep dark blue. Uh, but if you've seen Tom's the Tank Engine, uh, well, use your own imagination, listener. What does the conductor hat look like to you? How does it feel? It sits gently atop the head and it just barely covers the hair above the ears. And it has a little bill on the front that helps shield them from the... Well, what little light emanates from the sun when it rises and sets. More importantly, uh, I imagine the heat of the engine. Yeah, it helps keep that, keep that out of the eyes as well. Uh, but anyway, the conductor takes a few steps down from the door that opens on the side of the car. There's three steps that takes them just another couple feet off the ground where they hop and their boots make a nice clicking sound on the pavement outside. And they walk quickly towards you. Well, you certainly did take your time in coming this evening. Yeah, like we had a choice. Allow me to introduce myself. I am your conductor, Karan. If you require anything while you are servicing this train, providing us the protection that your company ensures us you can provide, you are free to contact me about anything you require. And, uh, who all are you who might be protecting my train this evening? Strathmill. You don't need to know anything else. You may call me Rowan. And, by the way, if you have any stores of elixir or remedy aboard, we hope we do not need them, but we all know that The lines are nothing if not unpredictable. And she offers a slight smile, just trying to 
get those good graces in. The supplies that this train possesses are primarily those of the passengers themselves. If you require anything further than your own devices to handle problems on this train, you would be good to speak with them about what they might provide. She nods in return. I... And you there, stranger, who are you? Okay, I see. Zirik. Zirik Nora. Ready to go. I guess. And you, hiding behind the goggles? <laughs> and she'll kind of, like, lift them up a little bit. Oh, I'm I'm Catterjune. He doesn't like it when you call him stranger. As the conductor looks at your somewhat motley crew, they seem a bit disappointed. How long? Well, how many lines have you seen? Enough. Like, it's any of your business. Did you hire us personally? Didn't think so. We're here. Let us do our job. Catterjune nods. Well, if you think that you're up to the task, I only ask that you are successful. Know this, as far as I am concerned, if it stands between the the journey of this train from here to Mistport, if one of your lives is on the line because you've endangered it in some foolhardy endeavor, this train will be stopping for no one. Am I understood? Yeah, that's kind of the business. We succeed or we die. We get it. So it is at sea, so it is on land. Understood. Well, I will at the very least provide this to one of you. Uh, And they reach into one of those myriad pockets they have on their jumpsuit, and they pull out a small black box, finely engraved, and they hold it out. Which one of you take it? I'll look at it. You step forward, Caterjun, and they place it delicately into your hands. Should you require to speak with the engine car of this train for any reason in tonight's what I hope to be very pleasant ride, I ask that you give that box a little open and speak clearly into it. It is a gift that, while on this train, while within its electroplasmic field, you should be able to communicate with the horn at the front. I think she'll probably look it over and examine the latch and uh, and nod. How big is it? Is it, like, pocket-sized? I guess it's he like, took it out uh, of the pocket, so... Yeah, uh, but it, it sort of fills your whole palm. Uh, it's okay. a... F- it's small, but it's not like flip phone sized. It's it's larger than that. Okay. Uh, and the the outside of this box is uh, ornately carved around its its edges and bezels, and it is uh, wrapped beneath all that with leather at certain points. I imagine the corners are maybe you know some beaten tin or something. But it's a fairly well put together box, and the clasp on the front is just a simple pin that you have to pull before you can open it. Okay. I think Rowan uh, claps Caterjun on the shoulder and needles her in the way she does occasionally. The wonders 
that continuously get made, no? I think that uh, Strathmill will take a look at this box. Yeah, Conductor, this might actually be useful. Thanks. Katarjun will put it in a pocket. You seem to already be bearing the equipment that your company provides. Is there anything else that you require on this train tonight? And by the way they ask, you can clearly tell that they hope you won't say anything. Quarters? <sighs> if you must, I can arrange for a small room for the four of you on the... And he looks back at the train. I should have space on the sixth car. Goodness, Catterjoon, thank you for asking. I thought we were going to have to sleep on the roof. I think Rowan cracks a smile at that. Catterjoon, like, looks over at Strathville and can't really tell if she's kidding or not. <laughs> and she's like, that, that doesn't sound, that sounds dangerous. Let's not do that. Another question, Karan. Could we get the layout of the train? Naturally, we'll inspect it for the ins and outs, the protections that come built in. But hearing it from... And she realizes she's walked herself into the corner of saying the horse's mouth. Hearing it from uh, you would be better in case we would not see some little hidden trick. Well, first off, it is your conductorship. That is how I prefer to be referred. Secondly, the train tonight is chock full of Imperials from Akaros. The Imperium is doing a bit of a troop movement into the city of Mistport. The first car is for some VIPs. The subsequent several cars are all quarters for the soldiers who are moving between. I believe the fifth car contains the dinner cart, the diner, if you get so inclined while you are here this evening. You will have to pay for all of your food and drink, however. That is not comped by your company. Yeah, of course not. Of course, your quarters are on the sixth car with some of the soldiers, and then beyond that, the final three cars on the train this evening are all cargo. The likes of which I don't rightly know or care. You don't know what's on your own train? And he shrugs his shoulders. What the Imperium wants to move, the Imperium moves. I think she'll probably, like, cast a look at Strathmel. A little bit, like, looking for confirmation, I guess. Uh, Strathmel just looks really annoyed. <laughs> Rowan has a sour look on her face, uh, confronted with Imperial orders and mystery about those orders. Oh, also, Strathmill is definitely now strongly avoiding eye contact with the conductor. So, so basically, just to rehash, uh, the first car is VIPs. The second through sixth car are all like just troops stationed who who are being moved. They are they have their own cabins, or in some of them, I imagine just seats, barely a hard bed to get them across the journey to Aruvia. And then the final three cars are all storage of some kind, all all stuff that's getting moved. Also, it's fitting for us to go inconveniently not in the middle of the train and just above the cargo in stature. Yeah. 
uh, you are a necessary add-on to this train, but you are not its primary purpose. True that. So the conductor gives you a wave back towards the door from whence he came. Well, I will be returning to the front of the train. If you make your way back to the sixth car, I'm sure somebody there can let you on board. Uh, So the conductor points back to the first car for where he's going to return to. You know, that's the VIP car. It's also the closest car to the engine. So he's probably just going to head along the gangway in between those two cars and head back to the engine. And then he gestured for you all to head to the back of the train towards car number six, uh, where you are going to have a room for this journey. Uh, And also, uh, that's just where you're going to be starting in on this train. Choo-choo, everyone. It's your conductor, David, here. I just wanted to take some time in this break to thank my amazing cast, uh, Emma, Joe, Jell, and Nico, for doing me the favor of playing this game with me and for just being wonderful people. I'm also uh, totally enamored by this game that John Harper made. Please check out the link in the description for all four of Ghostline's beautiful pages. It's short, it's free, and it's trainloads of fun. I would also be remiss here if I didn't thank Dana from the excellent Monster of the Week podcast, Meddling with Monsters, for teaching me more about Foley work and sound design. Uh, There will also be a link in the description to check out her podcast, and you really, really should. It is great storytelling, and it sounds amazing. And of course, thank you for checking us out and listening. If you like the show, please drop us a review, tell a friend, or engage with us on Twitter at TOTA Podcast. That's T-O-T-A Podcast. It helps spread the word so that others can enjoy our stories too. Anyways, uh, I'll let you get back to the train. See you again on April 21st. Bye. The four of you head back to the sixth car on the train. And like every car on the train, the door, which can slide to the side to let you in or out, uh, has a large wheel with a handle that stands out from it. Uh, like a uh, bulkhead seal kind of thing? Exactly. So uh, it, it has this handled wheel on the outside that is nearly as wide as the door itself is. And, and of course, you guys have been on the trains before. You know how this works. Uh, one of you grasps that handle uh, and with a, a mighty twist, there was quite a bit of resistance, brings it all the way from the right side to the left side, And with that, the door is unlocked, and with a shove, you push it open with a hiss as the cars are mildly pressurized. And you are now at the stairs that lead up into the sixth car. Uh, The conductor said that you had the the last room in this car. I I imagine he gave you the keys. There's two rooms across the hallway from each other at the very back of this car towards the seventh car. So you'll be right by the doorway to the gangway that connects the sixth car to the seventh car, which is a cargo car. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what you all want to do in order to sort of get set up and settled on this train and what kind of inspections you want to do before it takes off. You've already selected your roles. Strathmill, you're the rook. Yeah. Uh, Zirik, you're the anchor. Katarjun, you're the owl. Rowan, you're the spider. Given your different strategies, uh, maybe that'll factor into this, but then also just as your role as line bulls on this train... Uh, Is there any kind of setup you want to do as this train gets rolling? And by the way, once you settle into your room and sort of start unpacking your gear, the train does, with a sharp hiss, 
uh, you can feel the wheels begin to turn and the train, uh, with a bit of a jolt, begins its roll forwards. Perhaps perhaps a lurch? Bit of a lurch. Yeah. The train lurches forwards and begins to gather steam as it proceeds down the tracks uh, out of the city. There's a small window in the room that you all have for the night. It's not... I won't spend a long time describing it. It is four beds bunked, two beds on either side, on either wall. And that's about it. There is a single light that, before the train got moving, uh, wasn't on at all in the room. But as you felt the engines kick in, that bulb with a, a crackle, you see a, a small blue flame appear between two wires inside of it. And that is what is illuminating the room that you're in now. Okay. And you can see outside the window, the city begin to move past very quickly. You breach through the outer wall and you feel your the hair on the back of your neck stand at end as you go through the, the fields on the outside of the city that defend it from ghosts. Uh, the train has its own field and the interplay between them is interesting and you feel it in your body uh, as the train passes through and then it's over and you're done and you are out beyond the safety of the city walls from this point forward you are on the job so what's first Rowan you know gets her lightning web thrower her bandolier of spirit bottles and other standard equipment ready just pats pouches and slings and so forth and after inventorying her equipment just in case something fell on the platform not that they could do anything about that now she sighs takes in a deep breath all right who's down to walk the train we need well who's gonna poke their head up top this time i don't want to do it again i've done it the last two times absolutely not this train is full of scum i don't want to see anybody on it just let me know what's up Rowan grins. Sounds like you're volunteering for the peak up top. I'll walk the train and kind of get a sense of who's who's here and what they're up to. Don't forget windows, floorboards, if any are suspect, and all the other points of entry. Uh, quick, quick point of order: is yeah. is there is there like a hatch on the ceiling <laughs> or something? Like, how would we get outside the train? Did we, if yeah, we so, so there is some cars will have been equipped with uh, sort of think how a school bus sometimes has a hatch in the roof for people to escape in an emergency. Uh, most of the train cars don't have those. Uh, none of the train cars that you saw on this train have those. Instead, uh, you know that when those are absent, the only way to get on top of these cars is to get onto one of the gangways in between the cars which are generally just going to be a narrow metal platform, only wide enough for one person to cross, with a hopefully secure railing on either side to make it easier to pass between the cars. And to the left of that railing on the back of the car, uh, there is a ladder which will take you to the top. Okay, all right, cool. I'll keep an eye on the windows. And she, like, sits in front of the window kind of blocking anyone else from from looking out just to, just because she doesn't want anybody to get in her way. Fair enough. What are you feeling, Zeric? Zeric is going to shake his head kind of at Strathmill. He's kind of had it up to here with our conversation with the uh, conductor so far, and he's just going to say, I'll go up top. Okay. 
There's a brief glimpse of surprise on Rowan's face. Oh, okay. Thank you, Zirik. Uh, well, let's hop to it and by the... Well, I've never been a religious one. Let's just hope this is a quiet job. And she opens the door and makes her way out. Yeah, it opens inwards. And I think you're still casting a glance back at your comrades with your, your parting words as you leave. And you take a step out of the door without looking and you run into a, a mass of flesh, just an absolute unit of a, of a, of a human being. And you, you look not really up. They're, they're thick, but they are, are not much taller than you, Rowan. You look into the face, uh, the, the pale features of a grizzled-looking man. As you do so, you both take a step back, I assume. Oh, my, my apologies. I, I did not realize that uh, you would be here already. And you are? Uh, yes, uh, I am Granger Winterman. And he gestures to his ear. You see the shiny gold in his lobe. I am the uh, the one responsible for managing the logistics of this journey for the for the Imperium military. Has he bought an officer's commission? Is he wearing that kind of stuff, or is he some noble that a family volunteered for a stint of Imperial service? So the clothing he's wearing is dark gray. It has neat buttons. It's clearly a military uniform. I imagine that they have various small buttons or trinkets or chains. I like the idea of chains. He has a, a series of different colored and patterned chains extending from uh, the pocket. Uh, the like right breast has two pockets, small, uh, and the chains extend from one to the other. He has three or four of them, and they are of different colors and patterns, and you suspect that this is someone who has been in the military for quite some time. They're, they're not a nobleman who bought their way in just to title. Uh, they wouldn't have the the accolades that this one appears to possess. Uh, also for you, Strathmel, the the name Winterman, which is uh, Granger's surname, right? Uh, you you recognize that as a much smaller noble family than yours, okay? Uh, in in Akros. Yeah. So I think I think that um, hearing him name himself, I think that she would look away from the window, like almost trying to make it look like she's not looking. Um, would like try and glance over at him and then immediately like look into the window as intensely as possible to avoid like <laughs> and maybe like hunch her shoulders a little bit. Yeah, to... like I think if she has a hood, she would put it up. Okay. Well, now we can canonically say that you have a hood because that's Excellent. fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, you throw up your hood. You're not in any of your, none of you are wearing your masks or respirators yet because nobody's gone above yet. So yeah, you cover your face with, with your hood and you turn to face the window so as not to be particularly noticed. Rowan, uh, I like to think that in our brief history together as a team, Rowan and Catterjune have kind of developed this thing since Rowan knows Catterjune's great at drilling into detail. Yeah. And Rowan's good at kind of hanging off of that and augmenting that. She says... If you'll excuse me, sir, my apologies. I need to continue my inspection of this car. I will be close by. Please speak to Catterjune, your owl of this evening. <laughs> yeah, like Catterjune perked up when, when Winterman said he was in charge of the logistics. 
Oh, uh, you are you are the owl for this expedition. Hoot hoot. <laughs> uh, he he gives a wry chuckle. <laughs> well, uh, you would like to inspect the train, then I presume. Yeah, could you tell me some about uh, how disciplined are your men? Uh, he places a hand on his chest, like he's a little bit insulted, but not really. You, my men are incredibly well mannered. Most of the time, uh, if, <laughs> if if you run into any altercations with any of my men, please just let me know, and I will instill many manners of fear into them. How many soldiers are being transported? What are they trained in? Armaments, your vague orders. We obviously know the Imperium has its details. We don't need to know all of them, but the more we know, the better we can guarantee everyone's safety on this line. So tonight uh, we are making a movement of roughly 300 troops, uh, 296 to be exact. Those troops have been stationed uh, here in the city uh, that we just left that I definitely know the name of. Irondale. They've been stationed here in Irondale for the last, uh, well, eight months or so. And we are uh, rotating them to a deployment in Mistport in Aruvia. Now, I don't believe that all of these troops have uh, been moved in their tenure. Some of them are from Severus, so they have never been beyond their own island. So uh, there is varying understanding of the rights that one must follow while on the train. The procedures. Um, I have a question. Would Strathmill have, or anyone here really, have any idea, but Strathmill in particular, have any idea what sort of war they would be, or, or what sort of, like, what's, what's the cause here? Because, I mean, I was, I was considering asking, but, like, mm-hmm. would, would, uh, would Strathmill just already know what, you know, some rando uh, uh, Okorosi noble might be moving troops for? Sure. Uh, what's this unit's mission? Yeah. Yeah. So, so most, so, and all of you would have a a basic understanding that like troops get moved from time to time. They are stationed in cities, both for a occupancy to project power, uh, but then also to deal with issues that come up. Like, for example, if a tower goes down and there's a risk of a breach there for a while, I mean, yes, if you can get a lot of highly trained bulls together to handle it, that's ideal. But sometimes you just got to throw bodies at the problem. Sometimes, literally, you just throw throw bodies at the ghosts and let them have them and throw them outside the city and then, you know, let them rot or whatever. So I think a troop movement of this size doesn't seem to be considerable. It does seem like a pretty large rotation, but it's not like they're not sending 3,000 troops into Mistport to go do some dark and dirty deed. Okay. Um, that sounds large, but still fairly routine. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you for the context. And it's, it's always good to, you know, rotate people periodically um, on these sorts of longer term deployments because it is useful to have fresh eyes, right? For sure. You don't want people to get too accustomed to where they've been. <laughs> Especially in an imperial context where if they start sympathizing too much with the regionals, well, Indeed. can't have that. That's why bringing them out of Severos, putting them in Arubia. All right. I think Katarjun has one more question. She'll smile a uh, a hopefully disarming smile. I I don't need to know what's in the cargo, but is there anything that we should be worried about? 
he waves a, a hand nonchalantly. Oh, most certainly not. Now, of course, it is proprietary information to the Imperium. I cannot share with you. I cannot disclose the contents of the cargo. However, I, if, if you would like to inspect the cars themselves, uh, you're welcome to do so, but they are all currently locked. I would like to inspect the, <laughs> the, the cargo. Rowan chimes in. Indeed. Um, and a brief side note and point of order, if I can jump out of character for the moment. Yeah. I was trying to leave open the possibility of this being an insight. Because I read over the questions just a minute ago. I don't know if we necessarily need to for right now. I think as we're walking the car in a little bit, might okay. want to make it. Well, then here's what I'll do for this conversation. Now I will have Rowan. Would you please roll insight for me? Well, here goes a straight 2d6. That is a three. So yikes. on a miss, you gain no hold, but may ask one right now. This might be more settling accounting than anything else. I feel like the thrust we gave there was largely what's really going on here. Yeah, you could uh, you could do uh, how could I get them to blank and be like, how can we get him to let us look at the cargo cars? Yeah. Okay, actually, that's a good question. So I think you can tell that, especially based on the accolades he's clearly received in the military, that unless you pull rank on him, he's going to listen to orders. Gotcha. So like if, if you pulled rank on him in some way, then he might be willing to show you. Or like if, you know, an emergency demanded it, perhaps. He doesn't seem without compassion, but he, he does seem pretty by the book. Okay. Gotcha. So it is our job to check out the train and make sure that it's secure. Well, as I mentioned, you are welcome to inspect the cars themselves uh, for the cargo. But again, the, the doors are locked. I cannot permit you access uh, to, to see uh, the cargo. It, again, it is Imperium proprietary information. We cannot just let anybody know. Uh, what what we are transporting from one city to another. You must you must understand. I do. However, how are we supposed to inspect the cars for security if we can't see inside them? Well, your responsibility is in preventing things from getting within. Yes, uh, I encourage you to take a look on the sides on on the roof of the car. Uh, go underneath if you're especially daring. Uh, you're welcome to give them a, a visual inspection. Okay. But I would happily walk with you through the passenger cars and let you give a thorough inspection of the interior of those. Let us do that then. Thank you for your time. And Rowan pokes her head back into their car for the team and tries to drop a loaded line of you both good with your tasks? Strathmill gives a thumbs up without looking back. <laughs> Zerik starts walking towards the uh, the door. Yep, I was just about to head out. Granger Winterman, uh, he extends a hand to you, Catterjan. Miss Owl, you are coming with me, yes? <laughs> yes. Rowan, are you coming with us as well? Yes, I'll I'll keep an eye on our environment. You keep an eye on the people. 
Okie doke. Uh, then please uh, follow me uh, to you both. It is a lovely, a lovely meeting you. I, I very much hope that no one needs your services tonight. Eh? <laughs> and he heads uh, down the hallway towards the fifth car with Katarjun and Rowan in tow. So, uh, Xerix Strathmel, your two compatriots, Katarjun and Rowan, have headed off with Granger into the next car. Uh, what are y'all up to? Yeah, uh, Strathmill visibly relaxes as the, the door slides shut and uh, turns around to Zerek like, oh my god, can you believe these Akarosi scum? God, I hate them. It's unbelievable that uh, that we have to work this damn line with all these damn fools. I'm already over it. What the hell is your problem? Why do you why are you even working this job? There are plenty of other better options out there. This is the job. These are the people we work with. Didn't have to be a bunch of acrosy. Didn't have to be this. Oh my god. And yeah, I definitely I definitely chose to to work this specific line. Like did did you did you call up the company and say, "Hey, all I want to do is work a, a line with a bunch of Akarosi scum on it. That's what I want to do today. I told him I was willing to work any line, wherever they send you. This is the same job, but no matter where you go. Uh, you know, just because you don't know what these people are like doesn't mean that they're likable. So I don't know. I'm not going to try and make any friends what, what's so wrong with the Akrosi anyway? <laughs> she uh, scoffs and then just like looks at him like, I, I don't know. I don't know if Zerik would understand the expression she's trying to make. But, the, but what, so she, what she is trying to communicate with her face is, look at my face. I'm an Akarosi. I know what scum they are. <laughs> and then, but she doesn't actually say that. She just like gives him a look and then turns back to the window. I like the idea that what Zerik understands from that is like, look at me. I'm an Akarosi. I'm scum. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's canon. <laughs> Listen, are you actually going to work the line or not? Uh, yeah, I'm here to do my job. And, you know, if if there's a ghost out there, I got my hook. And I think she, like, swings it a bit. And, and then puts it down and is like, what do you want? Go up top with me. We'll make a bet. She, like, turns around slowly. A bet? Yeah, a bet. I'm listening. We go up top. We make our rounds. We handle whatever problems come at us. Hopefully there's nothing. Maybe there is. I bet you're the first one to turn it in today. You think I'm gonna chicken out? You think I'm going to turn my tail and run if something happens? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying you probably don't have the endurance for this kind of job. Oof. 
I'll show you. I'll show you some fucking endurance. <laughs> she, she, she stands up and like angrily finishes putting on her suit. As, as you said that, I'm like, wow, you can like cut the sexual tension with a knife. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really sound like it, but but um, um, Strathmill genuinely likes Zurich as a person. <laughs> I think, how, I think how she shows that she genuinely likes people as people. Oh, no. She, she, um, <laughs> I, I, it's, the precedent has been set that he very much does not like her. Mm-hmm. But but I think I think she respects his competence. Um, <laughs> oh, unrequited love. <laughs> and so that's that's what's going on in my head anyway. You like him. You want to marry him. Well, okay, I mean, I did pick marry and fuck, marry, kill, but I don't have that many options, y'all. <laughs> uh, this is, no, this is, this is great. Okay, uh, so the gauntlet has been fucking thrown by Zarek. Oh, and what are the stakes, huh? What do I get if you're the first to turn in instead? Gotta make it worth your while, huh? Eyebrow waggle. You can have half my cut. And I think I think she punches him in the arm <laughs> instead of like shaking his hand. Half the cuts the stakes. Mm-hmm.